I'm just going to begin, and we'll see where it goes. You all with me? Are you ready for the word tonight? My brethren, and for the sake of this being a woman's conference, although the brethren are here, I would say, and sisterin, <laughs> amen, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I bet you all have heard that uh, text of scripture quoted many times over the last couple of days. Amen. And you'll probably hear it again tomorrow. <laughs> right, sis? But I love this particular uh, passage of scripture in, in these few verses. How many of you know that none... None, N-O-N-E, none of us are immune or exempt from the trials of life. I mean, it doesn't take very long for us to find that out. Even as Christians, Jesus does not guarantee perpetual happiness. However, he doesn't guarantee happiness if we serve him, but he does promise us a joy. Joy, say that with me, joy. That ought to put a smile on your face just by saying the word. Amen? That is what Apostle Peter calls inexpressible and full of glory. Joy, or another word, way to say it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's so full of glory that we can't even express it in our, lang in our uh, natural language. There's a joy that comes only from the Lord. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. What's the difference between happiness and joy? Well, although the world's definition of these two are somewhat interchangeable, I looked it up in the dictionary, and happiness had joy in it, and joy had happiness in it. Amen? But even though they're interchangeable and they mean somewhat the same thing, they are very, very different for the Christian or for the believer. There's a big, huge difference between happiness and joy. Happiness, let me give you what my definition is of happiness. Happiness is contingent upon what is happening to us at the moment. It's, re it's related to our current circumstances. Happiness is related to what's happening. And if good things are happening, then that's going to make me happy. Amen? Whereas joy, listen to this, joy is a fruit of the spirit that's been deposited inside of our spirit in seed form at the, at the new birth when we become a believer and a follower of Christ. And so the seed of joy by the power of the Holy Spirit is implanted inside of us. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know sometimes we don't think it's in there, but it's in there. Because the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our spirit. And when he comes, all the fruit that he is comes with him. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? And so he deposits it inside of us, even if it is in seed form, we get to work with the Holy Spirit and allow him to develop that into full-grown, mature fruit that feeds our, our spirit, but also feeds others as well. Amen? 
And so joy is an inward peace and a sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. How is it that we can be going through all kinds of difficult situations and circumstances and yet still have joy? How is it? It's because we are called to live a supernatural life. We are not mere men and women. We are not to live carnal. We're to live spiritual. And even though we may be men and women in the natural, we lean into God and his super will settle onto our natural and we have the ability to live a supernatural life. We absolutely do. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so happiness may be worldly, but joy is divine. Only joy is what comes from the Lord. And as Christians, as difficult as it is in learning how to uh, work this out sometimes, we're called to live from the inside out. Come on, somebody. We are called to live from the inside out. We are not called to live out of, uh, out of our body or soul. We're called to live out of our spirit. We're called to live out of our spirit. And then that is, it, it should be able to be released through our soul and even out through our body to where, yes, our face is even notified of what's down on the inside of our spirit. Amen? Spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. We are not a human person having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having human experiences, and yet we have been and we shall always be spirit. And God wants us to live out of our spirit. He says the kingdom of God is within us, and it consists of righteousness Peace, come on somebody, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom life. That's, what, that's, what li that's what's down inside of us, and that's what ought to be coming out of us. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Everywhere we go, we take the kingdom of God with us. Everywhere we go, we establish righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everywhere we go, we don't allow atmospheres to swallow us up. We shift atmospheres with kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. We carry the kingdom everywhere we go. And where we go, the kingdom goes with us. And how many of you know what the world needs is some righteousness, some peace, and some joy in the Holy Ghost? Come on, everybody is looking. You know, there's, uh, everybody's looking for their truth, their truth, to be right in their own eyes. Well, we know what kind of mess that'll get us in, don't we? But there is no such thing as my truth, your truth, their truth. There's only one truth, and that is the truth of the word of God, the only truth. This is the standard that we live by, and this is what produces the righteousness of God in us. Yes, at the new birth, it's given to us as a gift, but that gift produces um, it produces a work in us, and it becomes not just something that we receive as a free gift, but it manifests in our life as right living and right thinking and right doing. Amen?
and that's what the world needs. They need a truth encounter. They need to know what the truth is and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is all we can do to, to, to make change in their life is to give them Jesus. Amen? And when we encounter truth, it, you know, I, I, I don't think it's accidental that things are placed in order in the scripture. First, righteousness. And once you understand and have a revelation of that and you walk in that, that produces a peace in your life. And when you walk in peace, you can then move into a place of joy. But this is something that's deposited inside of us, and we have free access to it. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we can feel that's, that, that's where we get in trouble. I teach all the time that, you know, our feelings, they are God-given, and they are, and they are for good. We just have to be careful. Because we are not to allow our feelings to lead us. Our feelings are given in order to locate us. So we need to be in touch with what we're feeling. We just don't need to allow our feelings to lead us. Because our feelings are pretty fickle, you know. Yeah, we, we know. We know, don't we? And so I want you to just do a little exercise with me. Are y'all in for some participation? Okay, put your hand on your belly and declare this with me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of my spirit. Therefore, I have access to the fruit of the Spirit in me. And one manifestation of that fruit is joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Joy is in there. Sometimes we got to stir up. You know, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gifts of God that's within you. I say sometimes you got to stir up the fruit too because they both come by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gifts and the fruit are both inside of us. And sometimes we've got to access them. We got to stir them up. We got to pull them up. And, and we do this by faith. We do this by faith because of what the word of God teaches us. And so, you know, it's, it's just a fact of life that we go through what I just read about, trials. Amen? So, it, this is just the way it is. We've either gone, just gone through a trial we are right now going through a trial <laughs> or we're about to be going through a trial. Amen. And so it's actually this cycle in our life. Uh, yes, even as Christians, we go through stuff. We've either went through one. I could raise my hand up. We're either going through one now. Some of y'all could raise your hand up. And we all know that there's more down the road because we live in this life amen we're not going to get out of this jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble but be of good cheer because i've already overcome and if i've overcome so can you because you are more than conquerors through christ jesus who loves you 
And so he says, we have the victory. We don't, you know, we, we don't try to get victory. We, we operate from a place of victory. Amen? And we take that victory with us as we go through. Amen? Did you notice when I gave you those three examples, did you notice I used the word through? We go through. And so God never intends for us to camp out or stay stuck in our trials. Oh, but can I tell you, I've met many who do. As a matter of fact, if I was completely honest, I would have to say I've done that too. Oh, because some stuff you go through can be very, very difficult to not stay stuck in. But we are to go through. We're to go through those things until we get to the other side. We start right here. And sometimes we, we keep walking and we find ourselves in that difficult place. And we stay there. Not realizing that God's expecting us to show up on the other side. We walk through, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we walk through to the other side. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, you know that particular portion of Scripture. And so God never intends for us to just go through things. He doesn't intend for us to just go through things. He intends for us to grow through things. That's really what this is all about. And yes, as we grow and mature in the things of God, we start understanding not just the works of God. We start understanding the ways of God. We start understanding the way he works and the way he works in our lives and the things that he does in order to process us. And pro We don't like process. We like progress, but we don't like process. We just got to remember that there is no progress without process. Come on, I just said something there, amen? There is no progress without process. And so he wants us to go through. Go ahead and look at one of your neighbors, one side or the other, and tell them this. Don't break down. Break through. He's the God of the breakthrough. He is the God of the breakthrough. But, you know, breakthroughs don't just happen overnight. Breakthroughs, breakthroughs happen. And you know, sometimes we're waiting on that suddenly, and there's a, suddenly I got my breakthrough. But how many of you know you waited a long, hard time for that suddenly to manifest? Sometimes the pressure was on, and it was hard, and it was difficult, and you wanted to just quit. You just wanted to camp out and just say, that's it, I'm done. But, no, you can't do that. You got to break through.
Let's go back to our text, and I'm going to break this uh, down a little bit. I want to uh, unpack it a little bit. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so, obviously, we are to count it all joy. Count it all joy. I like to go back and I like to look at the original language, the Greek. Yeah, the Greek is a beautiful language. And, you know, you can get so much more out of it when you understand the Greek words. And so let me teach just a moment here. To count is to consider it, to think it, to deem it and esteem it. You got to think that trial joy. All joy. And so this is the believer's proper attitude and having uh, to have in, it's the proper attitude that we have in meeting adversity. That's what trials are all about. It's just adverse circumstances. It's trouble, another way of saying that. It, this, but this is not an emotional reaction. This joy is not emotional. It is a deliberate, intelligent appraisal of the situation from God's perspective. You see, we get busy looking at things from our perspective, but if we could see it from God's point of view, we would be able to count it joy rather than count it total misery. Amen? But this is not emotional. And so when we see it from God's perspective, we're able to view the trials as, as a means of growth, spiritual growth, moral growth. We, we don't rejoice in the trials themselves, but we rejoice in the possible end results of the trials that we go through. Listen, we're not getting out of, uh, out of trials. And so it's the sooner we learn to respond, I don't know about you, but it, it took me a while to figure this out. And I still don't have it all down pat. You know, we're, we're all still in process. We're all still growing. We go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. It doesn't stop until we, until we're done in this body, right? In this earth. And then biblical joy is cheerfulness, a calm delight and gladness. I want to draw your attention to, um, to three words for a moment. And so in verse two of that text that we just read, we see the word trials. That's in the New King James Version. But in the authorized or original King James Version, that word is actually temptations. So trials or temptations is what is used. And then in verse 3, we see the word testing is being used. And so as Christians, we're going to experience each one of these, and we're going to have to be prepared for all of them. It's trials, it's tests, and it's temptations. And they all work in connection with one another. Have you ever noticed that? And so trials, th this, and this is what I felt like the Lord spoke to me. Trials come from life, from living in a fallen, imperfect world with imperfect people. Tests come from God. And temptations come from our enemy, the devil. And yet they all work together somehow. Amen? 
for God's purposes to be fulfilled in us and through us. So in the midst of all this, it's important to know ahead of time what trials, tests, uh, tests and temptations will do. These are the things that they're going to do for us. If you're taking notes, you want to write these down. They're all P's, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Trials, tests, and temptations are going to do all of these things. They will prove us. They will purge us. They will perfect us, and they will promote us. So see, in the end, it's all good. It's really all good. Even when nothing feels good, even when nothing looks good, we can know by the word of God that it is good because he takes all things and works them together for our good. For those of us who are called, those of us who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, amen? And so they prove us. What does that mean? It means that when difficult times come, it's an opportunity to prove what we're made of, to what's really inside of us, to what we really know that we say we know, to what we really believe. God uses these things to prove us. He wants to prove us faithful. He wants to prove us loyal, prove us committed, prove us sold out for God. No matter what comes, that I'm not just going to serve God when everything goes good, but that I can be tested and found faithful to him. So they come to prove us and to sh even show us what we're made of sometimes. Have you ever had the pressure on you and something popped out of your mouth or, and you're like, oh, where in the world did that come from? Well, when the pressure is on, what's on the inside comes out. Amen? You squeeze a lemon, you're going to get lemonade. Amen? <laughs> okay, and they will purge us as well. And so what's in us will come up and be released. And sometimes before we hit the good stuff, sometimes there's some ugly stuff in there. I guess you could call it dross. But there's gold down on the inside. But many times God will allow the impurities and the dross to surface so he can skim it off so he can get to the good stuff underneath. And no matter what kind of mess you feel like you're in or what kind of mess you feel like you're uh, coming out of your mouth or, or what, you're, what you've been behaving or reacting or any of that, you've got to know that God allows the pressure on you so he can show you what's in there so that he can bring it up to the top so that he can release it out of you so that you can go on to another level of glory with him. Amen? And so he purges stuff out of us. He purges junk out of us. You know about the refiner's fire. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But these things will prove us. They will purge us. And they will also perfect us. And 
if you look that into the, uh, up in the Greek, it's not just that we're going to become perfect, but it is, it, it is a perfecting process that's working in us when we go through difficult things. It is, um, it's a maturing process, basically, is, is what it is. It's how he matures us and how he grows us up. And so he brings us to a place of maturity by perfecting us. And then lastly, these things will promote us. Because in the midst of trials and tests is when we have temptations. But when we pass the temptations and we overcome them, then God promotes us. He takes us to another level. He makes it worth it. Everything you've ever been through, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Whatever you're going through now, you've got to look down the road and realize that it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Every heartache, every grief, every, every broken uh, place in your life, every difficult situation, everything is going to be worth it because in the end, you know, and, and I think about this. I mean, you, when you think of temptation, you can't not think about the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And that, I mean, that lasted 40 days for him, 40 days, you know, and for some of us, it's like two days, and it's like, God, is this ever going to end? Or two weeks, oh, is it ever going to end? Forty days. I mean, he went face to face with the devil himself. How many of you know uh, w- the stuff we go through don't, don't even bring the devil himself? We, 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 get, we get all messed up just dealing with little low-level devils that we need to be stomping and sticking under our feet. Amen. I mean, little low-level devils can cause us to have a major breakdown. But Jesus, Jesus, the one who had no sin, no open doors in his life, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in that tempting, he overcome, and God used it as a test that enabled him to be promoted the bible says it like this that that jesus went into the wilderness full of the spirit but he came out full of the power can i tell you when you go through stuff there's an anointing that is being produced in your life that you don't realize You've got to understand that the, that the olive doesn't give up its oil until it goes through crushing. You've got to realize that the new wine is not released until the grapes are trodden underfoot and pressed until they bleed out. Phew, I feel God on that. You've got to realize that the crushing and the pressing and the breaking down is only releasing out of you what God's deposited down in your spirit that he's been trying to get out of you all along. And God is not into hurting us. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't break our spirit. He comes to heal the broken spirit. But he is about breaking our will. He is about breaking through the soul, the outer shell, so that what's in the spirit can be released through the soul. You look at people who are anointed and wonder, like Catherine Coleman used to say, everybody sees the glory, but nobody knows the story. 
Everybody's got a story. And it's the, it's the story that produces the glory when you've been through some difficult things and you keep holding on and you keep holding on to God and you, you refuse to let go of God. You refuse to let go. Say, I'm not turning loose until you bless me. I'm not turning loose. I don't care how much I have to wrestle. I don't care how much I have to deal with stuff. I don't care. Come hell or high water. I'm not turning loose of you, God. Because he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful. And everything he promises, you can take it. You can take it. And you can believe it. And it may take a little time before you see it manifest. But that's just where you got to, you got to keep waiting. You got to keep waiting and you got to keep working. You got to keep pressing. You got to keep pursuing. Hallelujah. They will prove us, purge us, perfect us, and promote us if, that's a big if. Come on, say it with me. If, if I respond to God rather than react to the circumstances. If I respond in faith rather than acting out of my feelings. Because our feelings can be so jacked up and, 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 and we know how we feel. But we cannot give in to what we feel. We live by faith, not by what we feel. We live by what God said. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The preceding word is the prophetic word. It's the now word. It's what is he speaking now. It's what Jesus whooped the devil with in the wilderness. In time of temptation, he spoke the rhema word of God. He had stored the logos inside of him for so long that whenever he didn't have a, a, a he didn't he didn't carry the scriptures around with him in the wilderness. I don't think he did. I think that you know even as a a, a Jewish boy at age thirteen, you got to have the first five books of the Bible memorized at Bar Mitzvah. It's called the Pentateuch. What did Jesus quote to the devil? He was the word. He was the word manifest in flesh. He was the word, and yet he still had to use the word in order to defeat the devil. And if Jesus, the living word, had to use the written logos word that turned into the proceeding rhema word, then don't you think we're going to have to too? And so we use the proceeding word of God we don't go by how we feel. You know, I think Jesus felt a little hungry. I think he felt a little weak. He was weak in his body. But his spirit was strong because he had meat that they knew not of. What he said to the disciples. He feasted on the word of God. The preceding word of God. He took time to, to separate himself from the, from the disciples and from the crowds and from the masses. And he spent time listening to the preceding word of his father. 
He listened. He said, I only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father says do. He had such an intimate relationship with his Father. That's how he lived a victorious life. And he listened to, to his Father's instructions. He listened. And listen, this is why the Apostle James tells us in verse 19 what qualities are needed in the midst of trials. If you read down a little bit, I think right here he's got it on here for us. And so then, my beloved brothers and sisters, I paraphrase, let every one of you, quote, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So when we're going through stuff, sometimes we just open our mouth and start spouting stuff off. We need to be slow to speak, swift to hear. What are we supposed to be swift to hear? The word of the Lord. Father, we get away and we say, Papa, what's going on? Father, what's, wh what's going on in my life? I need to hear your voice. I need you to speak. Before I open my mouth and say anything about what I'm going through or what somebody has done to me or the situation or the attack of the enemy or whatever it is, I'm not going to speak because what we speak is very powerful and it will determine the outcome of many of our situations and circumstances. The power of death and life is in our tongue. How many of you know that angels hearken to the voice of God's word? Well, who's supposed to be speaking God's word and putting angels on assignment? We speak the word of the Lord. We speak what God says, and it activates angels to go to work on our behalf. And if that's true in the positive, is it not true in the negative? And so if we speak the devil's agenda or the negativity or the opposite of what God's word has spoken, are we not activating and releasing demonic in order to carry those words and bring those to pass? We speak blessings or we speak curses. And so it's important. And so back to verse 3. So knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience... So notice that it's our faith here that's being tested. Ultimately, it's our faith that the enemy is after. That's really what he wants. When he comes against us, he wants us to give up our faith, to give up our faith in God. He wants us to give up on God, to give up on ourselves, to give up on life. He wants us to throw on the towel, quit, give up. But I found out that whenever I want to quit, and trust me, I've been there many, many, many times. And I throw in the towel. God always catches it and throws it right back at me and says, uh-uh, girl, you can't quit. You take that towel, you wipe the sweat off your brow, you wipe the tears off your eyes, you wipe the blood off your face, and you get back in the race because it ain't over until you win. Whew, hallelujah. Come on, say it with me. It ain't over until I win. Yeah, until that time, you're going to stay in the race. Amen? And so even in all that's happening, what you're going through, i got to say this, what you're going through is not working against you. It's working for you. Everything, and not, not everything is God sent. 
But if God allowed it, it, it'll be used by him for your good and for his glory. And so for your good and for his glory, it's not working against you. It's working for you. you. Listen, when we come out of those difficult trials and situations, the devil's going to wish he never messed with us. Because it, it, because it, 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 it backfires on him. It's like, what? What? I was trying to take them out. And look at them. They're rising up and taking over. You see, whether you realize it or not, you are a bigger threat to the enemy than he is to you. He just gets his bluff in on us. He gets us to listen and believe his lies. But he's more intimidated of you because he sees God on the inside of you. And he sees that there's a call of God on the inside of each and every one of you. And there's something that you've been sent to planet Earth to accomplish for God that nobody else can do but you. That's why you are who you are. That's why you don't need to compete or compare with anybody else because there is nobody that can do you like you. And if God didn't need you, you wouldn't be here. And if two of us were just alike, one of us would be unnecessary. But God takes a part of himself and deposits it into each and every one of us to accomplish something very unique for his purposes. And the devil is scared to death that you're going to find out what it is that you're called to do. And so that's why he tries to keep you discouraged, depressed, defeated, and down and out. Because when you really realize who you are, whose you are, who's inside of you, what you're called to do, and that you have the power to overcome all things, look out. You then become the devil's biggest nightmare. The tables get turned. The tables get turned. And that's why he comes as early as he can to do as much damage as he can in our lives. Because he doesn't want us to get this revelation. Do you know if the devil can steal your identity, he can rob you of your destiny? The whole reason God put you here on the earth, you got to know who you are. you got to know who you are in Christ, and you got to know who Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory, and he lives on the inside of you. And when the devil sees you coming, he needs to see you so full of glory that he doesn't recognize whether is that Jesus or is that, you know, because we represent Jesus, which means we represent him. We're Christians. That means we're not Christ, but we're like Christ. We carry Christ, the anointing, inside of us. And so he said, you're going you're gonna to go forth. You're going to do greater works than I did. How? By the power of the spirit that lives inside of us. If Jesus said that we could heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, then why aren't we doing it? Because the devil's trying to beat us down so bad before we rise up and move forward and advance the kingdom. Okay? Hallelujah. I got to hurry along, y'all. Praise God. 
So what you're going through is not working against you. It's working for you. It's producing patience in us. And this patience is not just some little passive thing. It's not a passive resignation to the adverse circumstances that you're dealing with, but it's a positive steadfastness that bravely endures. Patience produces endurance in us. Nehemiah said it like this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know we, there's no endurance without strength. If you rob us of our strength, it means that we stop. We're weak. We're, 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 not, we're not able to move forward. But here is some good news. All trials, tests, and temptations have an expiration date on them. Hallelujah! Aren't you glad? They all have an expiration date. They don't last forever. Some trials last a long time. Sometimes we go through stuff for not just weeks, but sometimes months. Sometimes it goes on into years. And, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, God, when is this ever going to end? But I can tell you there is an end date. God does not allow these things to continue forever. There's an expiration date on them. And can I tell you this? This is the key. Sometimes you've just got to outlast the devil. You've got to take a stand. You've got to dig in both heels. You've got to set your face like flint. You've got to put out your shield of faith. You've got to lift up your sword. And you've got to say, I ain't quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm going to outlast the devil because God said that I have the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world. He says, even your faith. Remember, the enemy is after your faith because he knows that's the one thing that will defeat him. Don't let your faith go small. Stay in the word. Stay prayed up. Pray in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. And know that no devil in hell, listen, when God gives you an assignment and when God says he has this for you and that for you and that you are more than a conqueror, there's no devil in hell and no man on earth that can stop you or hinder you unless you allow them to. It is our choice. It is our choice. And so, endurance, constancy, patient continuance, it's about waiting. It's about outlasting the trial and the, and, the, and, and the tribulation. And so, again, it's not done by feelings. It's done by choice and remaining steadfast and loyal, even in the greatest trials and sufferings. And, you know, can I tell you when there's great trial, we have to remember that there's also great grace that's available to us. God is never going to allow the trial to be greater than the grace he supplies for us to overcome it. Great grace. And can I also tell you that that's where great faith is developed, is going through great trials and, and coming to the end of yourself to where you say, God, I'm weak, I can't do this in my own strength. When you tap out of your own strength is when you really 
access the grace of God and then you find out that with him you can do all things. You can go through that thing that's so hard. And people say sometimes, I just don't know if I could go through what they went through. I don't know how, if I could ever uh, uh, endure what they went through. Well, God's given them sufficient grace to go through that. And if you have to go through that, you better know grace will be there for you too. Grace will be there for you too. His grace is always sufficient. All right, now I'm going to wrap this up with just a few things here. And then I'm going to be done. And so how do we make it through these trials in life? I want to go to Hebrews 12 and read uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, or you could say every burden or every hindrance, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so let me ask you this. What are you carrying that may be weighing you down or hindering you in your race? And I'll just let the Holy Spirit locate you as you give him permission. How many of you know sometimes you got to say, Holy Spirit, show me what's in me. And when you're sincere and you listen, he'll show you. He'll show you what's hindering you in your race. He'll show you what's weighing you down. Maybe it's the cares of this world. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger or bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's a number of things. Maybe it's just one main thing. Maybe it's a sin that he's been dealing with you about. Maybe it's not a sin at all. Maybe it's just the weights. Because if you're in a race, you know they don't, I mean, they, they strip down to the bare minimum so that they are unhindered. They can run like the wind blows. Amen? With good running shoes and with the, with the, right, um, with the right attire. And so, and so that's one of the things that we do as we make it through the trials of life. I think we, we have to uh, see what's, what, is it that, what is it that I need to, to change. Is there something that I need to do in order to be able to run more effectively? And then we run with endurance. We've got to choose to run. We have to choose to run. That's our choice. God doesn't make us. And then in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's one of the biggest things we do in order to get through the trials is we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, this talks about our race of faith, and, and Sister, you uh, alluded to this um, earlier, that we're in a race. And no, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. We are in it for the long haul. But I found something very interesting uh, about this word race when I looked it up in the Greek. I found that that word translated race in the Greek is the word agon, A-G-O-N, and it is the root word that we get our English word agony from. Does that help you? Well, sort of. 
agony. In other words, the, the race is not an easy race. And yes, it, it, we go through some agonizing situations until we reach the finish line. But we have to choose to run. Listen, this word agon, it speaks specifically of mental suffering, such as what Christ endured in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is a struggle for victory. And you got to remember, remember this with me. I got to remember this. The mind is where we win or lose the battles. It's all, it all goes back to this. And so, and so the enemy deals with our mind. We've got to know this is where we win or lose the battle. And so we take our focus off the circumstances. We place our focus on Jesus. Listen, how was he able to endure the mental suffering? How was he able to endure the rejection of the people, the betrayal of those he loved, even his own people? Betrayal of those he loved, those he mentored, those he ministered with, those he walked with. How was he able to endure the false accusations, the scourging of those who despised him, the weight of the cross and the death of the, rest of the crucifixion? How was he able to do all of that? This is what we have to do as well. He shifted his focus from the suffering to the joy that was set before him. You can't look at where you are. You got to look at what's ahead. You can't stop short here. You got to look at what is before you. And the Bible says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. So he focused, he shifted his focus. And nobody suffered like Jesus. None of us have suffered to the extent that he did. And even he shifted his focus to the joy set before him, the joy in front of him, the joy beyond the suffering, that joy was the reunion with his father. That joy was being able to put his foot on the devil's head. Amen? Totally destroying the works of the devil. But that joy also was about you and me. It was bringing in a harvest for God. It was bringing all of us into a reunion with the father. That's the joy. He focused on the joy. What's going to be the end result? That's why I said earlier, no matter what you're going through or what you go through, it's going to be worth it in the end. It's all worth it. Just like what Jesus went through, it was worth it. And so what do we do to get beyond these trials and to get out of them, to get beyond them? We look beyond the suffering. You see, Jesus was on a mission, and he didn't let man on earth or any devil from hell deter him from his mission. And come on, we have got to have a made-up mind. Because the devil himself came against him. But he also used men in his life to come against him. And can I tell you, nobody can hurt you like those that you're closest to. Nobody can cause you to suffer like those that you love the most. And the devil is very strategic. 
He will use those closest to you to do the most damage because he knows if he can get you into your emotions. Oh, it's easy to forgive and forget when somebody's driving down the road that you don't know that just happens to have road rage or flips you off or whatever. Oh, Lord, I forgive them, bless them anyway. But when it's somebody that you've walked with and talked with and, as David said, went to the house of the Lord and broke bread with, Somebody who was like my own brother, like my closest friend. And, 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 and I want to tell you, you ain't been through a whole lot of difficulty until you've been through some things with people that are close with you, that betray you, that stick knives in your back, that throw you under the bus. We all go through that stuff. You think in ministry that everything is just all glory and hallelujahs and no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. But this is where God perfects our love walk. This is where God pulls us up a higher level and takes us into greater realms of glory. This is where, listen, do you think the scripture says a servant is not above his master? If Jesus dealt with that stuff and we're going to follow in his footsteps, don't think that we won't. But if he, if he could still respond and get past it, so can we. Amen? And so, listen, don't abort your mission just because the devil throws some hard things in your way. God will use it as a point to promote you and take you further down the road. That test you're going through is building you a testimony. Your testimony is your story for God's glory. And as I've said already, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. One or a few bad chapters does not define our whole story. Don't get discouraged or give up when your story is still being written. Because it ain't over until it's good. Amen? And so, hallelujah. I'm almost done. Job 23, 8 through 10. He said it like this. We all know what Job went through. He said, look, I go forward and he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. You know the song, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, never stops working. Never. God is always working. Just because he's silent does not mean he's not there. He's watching and he's working. He's watching and he's working. I don't care how alone you feel going through the things you go through. No matter how alone you feel. Feel, you cannot trust your feelings. God says he's the closest to the brokenhearted. And I can't, can I tell you when you're brokenhearted is when you feel like he's the furthest away. But that's why he gave you his word and said that's when he's nearest to you. And so you can take him at his word. And so he's working all right. He's watching and he's working. He's working on you. He's working in you. And he's working for you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when it's over with, it's going to be good and pleasurable to you too. Amen? 
So Proverbs 17.3 says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the, the heart. And I'm going to finish with this scripture right here, 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. Rejoice. Come on, say that word with me. Rejoice. You know what rejoice means? It means go back to the place of joy. Rejoice. Get your joy back. Come on. Devil, I'm taking my joy back. Devil, I'm not going to I'm not going to lay here and die. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum. I am not going to do it. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to make myself rejoice. I'm going to sing to the Lord. You know, when Paul wrote all that about rejoicing in, in Philippians, where was he at? He was in prison. He was in jail. And yet the whole theme is the word joy and rejoice. And so, and, and, I, and I know one time Paul and Silas, was in a jail cell, and at midnight, they started singing. And they'd been beaten and thrown into prison, and yet they rejoiced. They said, we're going to rejoice. We're going to praise God. We're going to get our joy back. Sometimes you got to start out in the flesh before you end up in the spirit. Sometimes you don't, you don't feel God uh, you don't feel the anointing to praise him. You don't feel the anointing to dance. You don't feel the anointing to speak the word. But you do it by faith. You do it by faith. And pretty soon your feelings hook up with your faith. And the anointing comes because you're obeying the word of God. And something begins to happen. Something begins to happen. And, 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 and cells begin to shake. And chains begin to come off. And prison doors begin to open up. And other people are blessed too. Because they see God moving in your life. And they say, if God did it for you, what must we do to be saved? How can you have this joy? How can we get what you've got? Listen. Oh. Let me finish my verse. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And I'm going to read it out of the message because it's really, really good. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. And when you're driving down the road or when you're walking down the road and you hit a corner, can you see around the corner? No, you've got to get to the corner before you can see what's there. But he says that glory is just around the corner. So even though you can't see the glory yet, but you still feel the suffering. You can't see the glory. Can I tell you, don't stop short of the glory because there's no suffering that will ever outweigh the glory that's just ahead. 
for everything you've been through, God will reward you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I've, I've went long enough. And I hope, I trust that each one of you have gotten something from the Lord. If I, if I could line all of you up and say, what would you get, what would you get, what would you get, I'm sure I'd get different things because the Holy Spirit tailors the message to the needs of his people. And so thank you for your attention tonight and for listening not just to my voice but to his voice within the midst of mine. Thank you for listening to him speak to you. And I, I just feel like tonight he, he's just come to encourage you in order to get you stirred back up to where you're ready to run. To where, and some of you may, you're, maybe you're already running. I don't know, but I just, I, I know, I know that there's some of you who are in the midst of some difficult things and possibly needing to just lay aside some weight. Some of you may be grieving over some loss in your life. And, you know, God permits a period of grieving. It's, it's normal to grieve. But if you stay in that place too long, it opens the door for a spirit of grief to come in. And it will hinder you for a long time. Even anger. Anger. There's no, nothing sinful about anger because it indicates there's an injustice. But if you let that anger linger and don't deal with it before the sun goes down, you don't deal with it quickly and forgive and release, then that gives what the scripture says a foothold to the enemy. It's another open door. These things are what will hinder us and slow us down, but they will also cause uh, depression, oppression. They'll cause fear and anxiety. They'll bring us into a place of torment. These things can be avoided if we will quickly allow God to reveal things to us and then work with him in process. And, and then sometimes, you know, it's just the attack of the enemy. You know, you're going to be attacked for doing something wrong, but you're also going to be attacked for doing something right. And so it's just important to remember to keep our eyes on Jesus and to keep listening and obeying and doing what he says for us to do. And so, hallelujah. So I think I'm just going to pray over everybody tonight. And sis, if you want to do something different, uh, if you want to have an altar call or something, that's up to you. Or if somebody just specifically wants prayer, I don't mind to pray for anybody. I just feel... I just feel like I just want to pray um, just corporately right now. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. Father, I just thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, I thank you that your word is bringing encouragement and comfort and edification to your people. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen those right now who feel like their faith is weak. I pray, Holy Spirit, that even as, even as they are running their race, I pray, Lord, there's those that need a, 
of refreshing. I pray that you would just be the wind on their back right now. And that you would just help them, Lord, to take a deep breath in, to be refreshed, to get that second wind, and to be to be able to just run harder than they've ever ran before. And Father, in the name of Jesus, for those that the enemy has an assignment against, that he is hindering their call and hindering what's in front of them that God is bringing them into, we just take, we take the place of authority, Father, and we bind the enemy's strategies In the name of Jesus, we bind all of his maneuvers and say cease and desist in the name of Jesus. We decree and declare that no weapon formed against God's people shall be able to prosper. And that they, and that with every, uh, that they would condemn every word of, of judgment that would be pronounced upon them, Lord. And Father, we just thank you that you give your people victory tonight. Thank you, Father, that we truly can consider the hard things we go through. We can consider them as joy because the greater one lives inside of us. And because all, at the end, what the devil sends to break us, you use to make us to make us better, to make us stronger, to make us wiser. And you use our, our testimonies to be a point of hope and encouragement to many others and to be able to minister to them. So, Lord, I just bless. I bless your people here tonight. And I thank you that you're doing a great, great work in them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just a real sweet presence here. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you want to come and just um, just play on the keys for a minute and just uh, just let the people soak in the presence of the Lord, because I really feel like the Lord is speaking some things to His people, speaking some very personal, very private things to each one of you. Thank you, Lord. So just put your focus on him right now. Put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Just allow him to bless you, to minister to you, to encourage you, to instruct you. He knows what you need to hear. He's slow to speak, swift to hear, listening for the voice of the
day in you. Thank you, Lord, for those that have come out this weekend, participated, and, and joined in. Just bless them. Bless their homes and their families, Lord. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night and God bless.